We all tell ourselves stories of who we are and why. But we forget that we have the power to define them. That no idea grows from mewling striped cum to teeth at your throat tiger without a little help, some guidance, and a whole lot of love along the way. I am Jared Surf, and this is Here Be Tigers. So we have Duke, Duke Hightower and, I don't know, um, the Bastard Valmont is the bad guy or something like that. And I probably won't keep those, but, you know, something uh, along those lines. And I know I already called the Constable Hightower. They're probably related. Yes, they definitely are. 100%. It could even be. It could even be if you want to do a full callback. It is the constable wearing ancient Duke Hightower's magical hat of possession, or whatever. You know, just fully possessed by their ancestor. Oh, that's a good angle. Yeah. Okay. So, say the players run the bad guy off at the end of three. He he beats them to the new thing. Yes. And is possessed by the ghost general. Hmm. <laughs> ah, I have defeated you. Behold, tremble before my power. Ah, my descendant's body. How comfortable. Mm, <laughs> Bring me my horse. We ride. There was a series of novels, I think, from Forgotten Realms set in the wizard cabal Halrua or something of that effect. And the twist there was that the evil necromancer they banished to the nethers because when you're a wizard country, there's a certain amount of necromancy that's fine, but they drew the line at evil eugenesis necromancer, mm-hmm. you think. Until you discover that all you win is, oh, no, I am vanquished. Look at me dissolving away. Bye. And then just proceeds to be a ghost manipulating the cabal the whole time. Well, so there is a country called Geb, which used to be part of Assyrian, okay, in in the Pathfinder setting that is run by a ghost wizard, Mm -hmm. who is the ancient rival of another wizard who did, like, more traditional, like, bizarre magical energy stuff to become immortal. This makes it even more pressing. If there's already established precedent for evil wizards and spirits from the past rebuilding your empires. Yes. There's definitely a, a clear and present danger of, oh God, not again. <laughs> oh no. no. <laughs> so I think that, I think this makes sense. If we have the, the, if we have the general's ghost sort of appear in for, in, in the middle of part four and be the bad guy of part four, that's great. And then the question is, what happens in part five that we need to do that that general was going to do that was bad? <laughs> the really fun part would be, too, if the ghost was essential as a source of power. They may not have known it was the spirit itself of the old general, but they knew there was some type of intent, you know, immense concentration of it, right. uh, energy or essence. The scepter is turbo-haunted by the general, and that's why it's so powerful. <laughs> and they need the turbo-haunting to make it useful, but then they have to have the general. Then you have to deal with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> So even if they somehow defeat the vessel, then they've got a cursed scepter full of a pompous general. Right. And that could be very bad, but also a lot of fun. Again, it gives you enormous opportunities. When we were running the Academy World game, there was a twist where one of the mentors turned out to be a major villain, and they murdered him at the end of Act 1. And I thought they would destroy him utterly, but instead they turned him into a familiar. And I just sat there and went, you realize this gives me full license to irritate you forever, right? (laughs) And they decided to live with that because it was more fun than not. And that's 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 definitely viable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think this is good. So I think, all right. Uh, so even though I haven't necessarily picked what parts four and five are, right, we have a pretty good idea what's happening here. You're going to impress the guys. You're going to get a rival. You're going to meet an ancient ghost. And then you have to go do. You, you, 
you go to the Isles of Infinity and either disrupt the ritual that is going, and maybe here's the fun twist, you get the ghost. The Armada from Taldor, uh, I forget the name of the nation. Taldor is the country. Taldor beats you there, and when you get there, it's the Empress waiting for you. I feel like turning Empress Eutropia into a villain would not be well received by the guys at Paizo. No, she's not a villain. <laughs> she's there to stop you. <laughs> oh, Because all I see. she knows is you have the scepter. Right. Whatever you're doing with that, it's probably not good. <laughs> right. Our solution to, you know, to resolve this piece of place is for you to give that to me. Right. And then that leaves the question of, okay, but is that a good idea? There is not a player group in the world that gives her the scepter if she hasn't been there from the beginning. <laughs> maybe if she's the one who puts them up to this in the first place this is a thing that happens well like even if she has the best intentions what if she gets possessed if she wasn't around from the beginning of the adventure there is no player group in the world that gives her this after well i think what happens is when the constable pardons them it's with her signature on it it could be something like that yeah i mean there's you could definitely try to make this into more of a no seriously though give it to her <laughs> type of situation you know hashtag respect women or something but like <laughs> no, not even that. Just in in the struggle that ensues, to your point, because what party is going to in their in their in their own mind mentality? What party in their right? It, what 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 people who what set of people who play Dungeons and Dragons is actually going to give a lawful authority their cool magic item that they have spent a year and a half working for? So in the struggle that ensues, obviously the thing that happens at some point is, oh, I'm free, and then it's a three way race to get to the Ziggurat of Power and the island and charge him up into some type of horror. Or, you know, someone to disrupt it. You're really stuck on the ziggurat thing. That's usually my deal. I know. I'm, I'm tired, so I'm running out of... But, like, th- there's something here. There's a there's a vessel. There's some type of means. There could be a spaceship. Who knows? There, there's a thing here you need to do the ritual. And invariably, as we said, there'll be a struggle at some point, and well-intentioned or not. Yeah, so I think it's a matter of now that we have it, what do we do with it? Definitely, that's a fair question. Okay. And at least one party... Somehow the, the the possessing spirit gets free because we have pointed out Valmont has been very quiet this whole time, mm-hmm. right? Where's Valmont on all of this? Right. Where did that guy go? What's going on but with maybe, him? <laughs> maybe you do, and you know, in good form, give it to the Empress, who is then stabbed in the back, and Valmont goes, "Ha ha!" <laughs> now I shall rule Taldor. And then you know, seizures up, and then the ghost goes, "Ha ha!" Right. I mean, I think I think bringing you know what's her name Eutropia into this is maybe. Not where I want to go with it because it's very ambitious and it's kind of it's it's stepping on like literally the official game. It doesn't have to be you. It could definitely be right. one of her major assistants. Or, yeah, it, can, you know, it could be some guy who works for her or something. That's all fine. It, the, the, the law, the lawful authorities of Taldor are okay. I probably just don't want to touch their NPC. No, like it, it doesn't have to be anything existing if you don't want to touch the IP itself. You can have somebody in the intermediate who is a powerful authority. Who... Well, and the other reason not to do it is because there's no nothing we have said so far means that this has to happen in Taldor. It's just consistent within that environment as it's been created by Paizo. I could see this happening very easily, for example, in the Dale Lands in the Forgotten Realms. <laughs> when I was drafting the notes for our first round of the Outer Worlds challenge games, right? Where we had to have alien invasions and some type of means of communication through which they invaded. Yes, right. I remember that. That was fun. I didn't have much time to prep, so I shockingly dug out some old adventure idea notes. Right. And I had found something called the Kingdom Come. And the real twist there was there was a kingdom full of haunts and undead and whatnot, and a princess of some kind beseeched you to aid her. And there was, you know, a horrifying death knight who was dogging you each step of the way. 
until it became very clear toward the end that the princess herself is the necromancer who caused this. And the Death Knight is dearly trying to stop you from giving her what she wants. And that was fairly static agnostic. You could plug that into a lot of things. I didn't have any real mechanics that were system-oriented tied into it. It was just, here are the big beats and the opportunities and the key players and, you know, the challenges and environments. And the big, I think, probably obvious twist. But again, the motives were left open. Why is this happening? Who's really right here? You know, you can fill in those blanks. I think in that same sense, you don't have to have Teldor, but you could have imperialistic empire with long history, the legions that explored the beyond for ages in the past. You know, past glories faded, trying to restore now. All of those are fairly agnostic to a setting. So this plugs into anywhere where you have an old kingdom, which I got to be honest, if you're running a fantasy game that doesn't have an old kingdom, what are you doing? Absolutely (laughs) filthy with them. Right. There's at least one in basically any fantasy setting, so it's okay, which is the other reason to try to keep as many of Paizo's named NPCs out of it as possible. But you can use them as a framework. One day I will run the Blades in the Ark Forgotten Realm setting and you will have permission to take out all of them. Good. Fine. It will take forever. There's so many. (laughs) I know. It's just agonizing how much they gum the works. I think really that was my most... The thing I found myself most frustrated by trying to play in that setting. I'd like to do this thing. Great. NPC named has already done it or taken it over. I'd like to do that thing. Great. Talk to that organization who's already in charge of it. Yeah. A nice but weird thing about the Pathfinder setting Mm -hmm. is that as you read it, shockingly little has changed in the alleged 4,000 years of its history. A lot of big stuff happened a long, long time ago. Some big stuff happened hundreds of years ago. But there's this middle period between like immediately after, you know, not Atlantis sank and about 800 to 1,000 years ago where they don't tell you anything. <laughs> or blush. Right. And so like obviously something was going on. <laughs> obviously all of the uh, historians were raptured out of the continent. If you look at the official materials, right, mm-hmm. most stuff happened either somewhat recently or a long time ago, and there's this big, like, empty field. Plenty of room to put terrifying legions in. Well, it puts me in mind of the people who are like, the Middle Ages didn't exist in, oh in the real world here. I have too many words for them. Right. The, actually, we made all that stuff up. It never happened. Right. That it's, in fact, 1700 and something now. Right. Those guys. Like, I don't happen to subscribe to the theory either, but at the same time, they don't give you a lot to dissuade you in in the Pathfinder book. (laughs) That should be the first historian the party gets sent to as a crackpot conspiracy theorist. Well, I I think it would be good, okay, if a historian got them into this somehow, just thematically. Mm -hmm. So what if, for example, the players are hired by a historian, because this is a thing that, you know, you did if you were a historian in the Middle Ages. Here's your hook, then. You begin the adventure in the lecture the historian's giving because they will meet you after the lesson ends. I think they're explaining to you why it is you need to deliver their book about the history of this part of Taldor to the Baron or something like that. You can actually frame the very beginning of the adventure as the lecture that you have to patiently sit out that serves as your info dump. Right. So the existence of this province dates back to the Second War of Exploration. And everybody everybody will pay no attention at all except for that one asshole who writes everything down. And that guy is going to feel so good, or girl, whatever it is, 
later. <laughs> you, you're, you're giving them all, like all of the big plot beats. There was a crazy Duke. There was a magic scepter. Da, 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 da. Nobody knows what happened to Duke, Duke Hightower, the leader of the <laughs> fourth legion of the second army. He disappeared into the Fog Mountains. The Hightower family, however, continues to insist that da, 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 da. Right. Wouldn't that be even worse if it was the constable's relative or rival noble? I think it's I think it's important. Mm-hmm. Okay, that several of the driving NPCs not only be related to each other, but be related to this, you know, annoying ghost. Yes. You have a bit of a kind of a clue game going on at that point of who's the one actually pulling the strings. Well, also, but like part of the thematics of Taldor and of a lot of old kingdoms in fantasy is that it's hard to escape from the shadow of the past. I think uh, there's a kingdom that is 17 descendants of a king down now or something like they all have the same name. And they're, you know, the generations have spread out quite a bit. It doesn't take that long. No. To go from a family to hundreds. I mean, look, they had eight Henrys in England, and they haven't had any of them in hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Eight. That's a lot of Henrys. <laughs> so, yeah, you you could have one be a constable, another be a professor, another high-ranking official in the right. service. Of it them. might by now even be a really big family. Distant third times removes that might have reunions. There's another good one for you. Get invited to the High Tower reunion. Oh boy! And they keep putting each other in charge of things here in this like far end of uh, Taldor because there's nobody else around wants to run it anyway. And you, the family is all about being still big and important. And the Empress is like, great. Here, here's a rock to rule. Right. So here's another Pathfinder element I want to consider. Okay. If we really are in this part of Taldor, on the other side of those super fucking scary mountains is the country of Galt. Sounds fine. Galt was a normal fantasy country until about 40 years ago. Okay. Then they started building haunted guillotines that absorb people's souls. (laughs) (laughs) All right. There's a little more to it than that. Nope. Nope. I don't want to know any more than that. That explains. I knew that was the important detail for you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Because that has to be in the adventure. All right. Galt is scary. Galt is the French Revolution taken to like about a 12 on the what if this really just could not actually get better scale. You know who would know a lot about possessed things, though? Who? The Galts. Yeah, no. So what I'm saying is, if if we you know remain in the path, in the context of the Pathfinder setting, sure. I feel like, because it is known, as, it, it's a known thing in the setting, right? All Everybody who was a nobleman in Galt mm-hmm. got out, or their soul is in a guillotine now. Um... <laughs> There's not really a lot of in-between or daylight there. No, you know it'd be glorious to have in the professor's lecture hall? One of the haunted guillotines. No, that's not going to happen because there's only a few of those and they're very powerful and yada yada. It would be fun, but no. (laughs) But you can definitely have NPCs or even characters who are exiled Galtish nobility. Oh, I imagine. And they'll probably tell you all kinds of things about evil, you know, things the Legion did or their souls lingering on. Well, right. So if you're looking for another direction to go with this, Galt used to be part of Taldor because everything used to be part of Taldor, right? Now now we know where where Valmont is. This guy could also be a descendant of the general, A, right? Mm -hmm. B, if you just don't want to deal with the, oh, that bastard, you have one of the Galt guys be like, you know what? I bet if I had a cool scepter of command, I could go take over Galt. Sure. And then I'll have enough to take over Taldor, and then who knows? Right. And then the world. Ha 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 One enchanted guillotine at a time. Right. Yeah. I, I, I started reading the history of Galt the other night, and I was like, this is hardcore. Like, <laughs> there was a half-elf philosopher who was part of what kicked off the revolution. Want to guess who lives in one of the guillotines now? Oh, uh, okay. If there's ever a haunted guillotine that belongs in a university, it's that one. 
Mm-hmm. No, that one actually is still in the university where he used to work. Okay, I was right. <laughs> in a town that has fantasy Batman and also a lot of criminals who are all starving in it. It 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 just sounds. It's like the Dark Soulsist part of Galarian outside of Ustalov, which is basically just we liked Ravenloft, so we made a country where we can do Ravenloft things. I yeah, <laughs> I would say so. And not of the Shadow Dark variety. No, no, Ustalov is super haunted, but not by. Uh, the same things that Galt is haunted by. Oh, sure. I could see you talking to displaced Spanish nobility about how to get rid of the super haunted get scepter or how to separate the super haunting from the scepter. Well, I mean, the, the fun t- the fun possibility, of course, is that you have to take the general's corpse to Galt and execute him with one of the guillotines. To yes, to put him. him to ease, to put him to rest, certainly. To get rid of him. Forget put him yes. to rest. Those are documented as not putting people to rest. So the reason the guillotines absorb people's souls, this is the, this is the really messed up part, okay? Uh-huh. There is another country, which also used to be part of Taldor over at the west end of the inner sea, called Chaliax. Okay. And not too long ago, all right, demon worshippers took over Chaliax. Right. The Galt, which was part of Chaliax at the time, okay, because Chaliax had taken over most of what used to be Taldor mm-hmm. when the demon guys took over, was like, well, screw that. Our souls aren't going to hell. Put them in the guillotines. Everybody we execute will not be resurrected by those, by those demon worshippers. No, sir. I am... Seeing multiple factions going to this island. If we put you out, you stay out. <laughs> is basically the thesis behind the, the, the artifact guillotines. Here's, here's, you know, here's another avenue. Maybe you need you get Walter's support to get to the island, but then, of course, the Empire sees you allying with the Galts to get to the island. I think if you want to make people's life difficult, you set part four in Galt. Yeah. Because that's where the general ended up when he died, for whatever reason. <laughs> Right. So whether they're possessed by the general or having to deal with the cursed scepter. All of that's all of that comes after you have to go to Galt. Yes. And the player's going, oh dang. (laughs) Which also means they have to be on their best behavior. (laughs) Or somebody's rolling new. Where's Bob? Uh, Probably several somebody's. (laughs) Like I want to be clear, Galt is scary. That'd be the worst TPK. Well, how did you lose the party? We did poorly in our litigation. We were arrested by the Grey Gardeners. And we're all dead <laughs> inside a guillotine. <laughs> like the guillotines have names. It's real messed up. I'm proud of are, are whoever the, wrote Galt. Are the names the inhabitants or? No, no, no. Like they're, they're, uh, I, I could look it up, but the point is the guillotines have names. They're like personal names that, you know, sound like Victorian uh, characters or ghosts. Oh, goodness. It, it's yeah, real. It's thorough. It, yeah. Deeply, it, it's wow. real cool. I, who, whoever is responsible for Galt, you did a great job. <laughs> Just reading a little of that made me go, you know what? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think because that's the fun part is you've had your kind of delves into the weird and the horrifying, the, the, the underground. Now here's the fun of having a societal challenge, right. let's call it. Now, sponsored by a nobleman, bearing noble artifacts, go to a country where they kill people for that kind of thing. Yes, and get out alive. Good luck. <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually a fun escalation, and I'm probably going to use that. It could be like they do it, and then Valimar steals this, or Valmont steals the soul, and off to the right. There, there, lots of possibilities here, and so in a, again, in, in a more generic fantasy setting, all you got to do is send the players to somewhere else where they don't like them. And there's a horrifying magical punishment. Sure, it doesn't have to be a place where there's an awesome haunted guillotine. I mean, it should just on principle, but like it doesn't have to be. <laughs> all really, the most salient part is it should be hostile to things noble. Right. It should be a place where they don't like the people who are driving the action for whatever reason. And they don't want the empire back. They don't right. want. They, they got no interest in that. Nope. 
So your whole mission is taking place under conditions where you're basically going to have to do a lot of sneaking around. And I think the fun part of this from the perspective of sort of trying to write into Paizo's setting is that that's actually a lot more moving around than most people get to do. Is most of it centered upon one small kind of pocket? Most adventure paths happen in a place and like, you know, several different locales within that place. But, you know, in one country and maybe several cities or things like that, you're moving between them during episodes. This whole like, yeah, we got to go over there. And that even leaves room to potentially break this out to six and make part four. Yeah, you got to get to the Fog Mountains to go to Galt, which just sounds terrible. So why do you want to go to Galt? Uh, We have a stick we need to deal with. No, they have the corpse at that point. Right. How are you going to explain to the frost giants in this in this hidden pass why you need to let why you need them to let you through? And do you manage to get the giants to explain to you why this is a bad idea, or do they just let you go at the amusement? I, I think the giants probably just can't be bothered, quite frankly. Like frost giants are, you know, pretty much what frost giants are everywhere else in Pathfinder, which is, you know, sort of super Vikings with a mean sense of humor and Oh no. What they what they do is they let you go and ask you to pick up something that seems innocuous when you come back for them on the way back. Maybe, maybe like there's some possibilities, but I actually think the idea of an interlude where you have to go over the fog peaks is a pretty sure. good one. Right, because that's overland travel. You have the talk of environment that is challenge in multiple parts. You have the weird, terrifying encounter of, oh, that fog is moving. Right. There's well, legs. that's not good. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, hi. <laughs> uh, and a beard. Uh, hi. Uh, who are you? Who dares my mountain? You stepped on my tome. <laughs> yeah. And then part five or six, the finale here, right, is now that we have gotten the scepter, however it is we got it, what do we do with it? And I still have no real ideas there. I become Emperor of Taldor. I feel like it shouldn't let you become... Grand whatever it is of Taldor. Oh, no. If you do that, you become possessed fully by the powers that be in it. That is the bad ending. Sure. But the question is, you know, what do you do with this thing? Right? Because we've already gotten, this is a pretty good, you know, like, arc, well, I, right? I think there's two. There's a couple things here. If you've already established a narrative, they've probably at some point acquired a means of better transportation, given all the trekking they're doing. Yes. Because you probably don't want to have to go back over the mountains and talk to the giants a second time. Mm-hmm. So let's say somehow in Galt, you escape with better transportation and also a death sentence. Totally unrelated. Right. You, you are now super illegal in Galt. You are already kind of illegal. <laughs> right. But now you've got fancy vehicles. Now the Grey Gardeners are after you. The Grey Gardeners are Galt's cops. And uh, they are definitely not the Vemgeric. By that, I mean, they, they are clearly inspired by the Vemgeric and also the Musketeers. So... <laughs> the, the fantasy Pinkertons are after you. You've got an airship or something like that. I'm now. probably saying that wrong. The... The point is you're not allowed back in the place where you were. You're, you're not still, only not allowed back, they might be chasing you. <laughs> details, yeah. You might have dragged another faction into the grand finale, you think. Right. But I'm bringing this up because it's quite possible that with that, you know, with said means of transportation, you might wish to continue running once you realize all of the powers that be shouldn't have this. Right. It may be that what you then need to do, like we could make this into a go to Mount Doom situation, or we could yes. make this into a... Oh, no, you know what you do? Ah. You have to reopen the world wound and get to the other side and throw it out over there. That's too much. <laughs> also, if you throw it out over there, a demon is going to pick it up and no good will come of that. It's fine. It's over there. No, it's, it's not fine because they'll come back with it. A thing that is true of the Pathfinder campaign setting is that on multiple occasions, people have fooled around with demons and or devils. It has never ended well for anybody. Most of those places are still there. 
the demon comes back, says, I have the power of empire. Behold my scepter. And goes, oh, okay, yeah. Hail demon lord, high tower of the 48th. Mm-hmm. And that's just... <laughs> if they showed up in Charlie X, it might work. <laughs> I want to be clear here. It, it's, it's, it's that kind of setting. Sure. Isn't that where the Hell Knights are from? Yes. Okay, that's where I remember. Now you know why they have Hell Knights. It's because yeah. the country is run by, I'm sorry, not demons, devils. In details. But yeah, uh, what my point is, there could easily be yet another arc of, oh, nobody here should have this. Let's keep going. Yes, that's definitely one possible answer. Or another, and you know, depending on the party, maybe it's, well, one of us should have this. Then, okay, who? I actually really like the idea of using one of the haunted guillotines to destroy the scepter. Like, thematically, I think that's great. You know, the better part might be if having escaped all of this, they realized, great, no one should have this scepter, but there's only one place we know. There's only one place we can get rid of it. Back to go. Crap. (laughs) (laughs) So now they've got to have everyone chasing them, get back to Galt, get to the guillotine, destroy it. And they have to break. Oh, it's the one in the university. They've got to break into the magical university. Because that one's deserted and not as heavily guarded as the others. Through the city full of starving criminals. It's it's absolutely not as guarded. It's not like the abandoned mine at all. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing. I mean, at this point, you assume at this point, at the end of an adventure, these players are pretty high level. They can maybe take whatever they're going to run into in most parts of gold. Uh Uh-huh. So. But there are consequences to that. Well, so here are some other possibilities, okay? Mm -hmm. In the Grand Roman tradition of hiring other people to do your fighting for you. Oh, we come full circle and they become the quest givers. Maybe we have to take the general back to wherever it is the Roman, the the people of Taldor hired him from to join the army to get rid of him. Oh, actually put him to rest. Yeah. You know, that could be fun too. Let's say they do go to Galton, the... uh, the professor, the half elven professor in the in the, in the uh, guillotine goes, mm, nope. That won't work. You what fools. You know? Well, you, un- you you have to understand that to complete the proper cycle of life and, you know, goddess of death, blah, 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 blah. But see, this this is how you would do this because it would annoy your players. Okay. <laughs> and we're not allowed to choose to do something purely to annoy the players in this scenario. No. I know it's tough, but <laughs> we're not. All right. I'm ruling that out. First hand, right up front. Fair. Things can be annoying to them, but we're not allowed to do something just to annoy them. <laughs> not, not the, you know, the major reason things can be annoying to them is because you can't predict what will. <laughs> but you're not trying <laughs> no. to do that. Like, oh, this will be interesting. Oh, God, no, it isn't. Oh, no, nope, nope, nope. I hate this. <laughs> How can I end this quickly? Why would you do this to me? <laughs> yeah. But no, I think I think I I think either you have to take the guy home or you have to um, something like that maybe makes the most sense for a conclusion here. And now you have, you know, a coherent arc, right? We learned about the history in the first one and we took the book to the Duke to give to the Duke. But you you could actually bring it all the way back to the constable and, you know, have to bury him in the maze or whatever, like, you know, go to the family, you know, graveyard on the moors or whatnot. No, I think you have to take this guy back to somewhere further away or. Just that's a real hassle to get to. Yeah, like either, there's a few things. I think you should leave open the hook where you give this to another adventuring party to do. Right. Well, I mean. And just let that be, because you probably have a bunch of treasure at this point to pay people off with. <laughs> You're just like, you know what? I get this expensive ass scepter. Um, it's really haunted, but I can't be bothered to deal with it. What if we sell the stick to pay people to get rid of the orb? That's horrible. Again, I feel like this is a solution that we're not allowed to embrace in these circumstances. I'm not saying it should be suggested in the adventure. I'm just saying a party will do it. 
Well, and that's the thing, right? There's there's a big difference. Uh, one of the, when I say that one ending of the adventure pass was chosen, for example, mm-hmm. right? It is technically possible in Iron Gods to let a thing that you definitely shouldn't let ascend to godhood ascend to godhood as one of the outcomes. Like really, super obviously shouldn't let. So here's here's the spoiler, right? Oh. There's an insane AI that thinks it is a demon that you run into about two thirds of the way through. Okay. Theoretically, you could put that thing inside the crash spaceship core at the at the at the conclusion, uh-huh. and it would become a god. And your ship? No. Oh. It would probably then start. It would probably then start acting like the demons in Doom. Oh, that's less fun. Yes, because it's not actually a demon. It just thinks it is. It's an AI. <laughs> it's real silly. Yeah, I think fundamentally when you get to that last beat after they've escaped the island, because there's a lot of what ifs that go down there. Yes. That you will not have full control over because maybe they have knocked off the Jemperer. The Jemperer. The, the Jemperer. <laughs> that's bad. That's, what, that's what's what he <laughs> wants to become. I will be Jemperer of Talbot. Behold my luminescent might. <laughs> no. Now we're going in a very different direction. I'm so done. Uh, the, the, the attendant of the Empress who, you know, maybe you knock that person off or one of the other parties does. Mm-hmm. Maybe you come to an agreement with a bastard scion, you know. I feel like you should leave the field open to a few different resolutions, all of which involve having to either destroy this thing or, screw it, we're going to take over Taldor. Yeah. I, I think the basic binary you suggest you leave to the person running this is, you have to make sure you you make you have to put the question to them. Do they give this to someone or do they keep it? And if so, for what? Well, the other thing is, I think you have to make it safe to give to people before you can give it to somebody. Well, yeah, and that might be an adventure in and of itself, or maybe they break it enough that it's fine. I genuinely like the idea of throwing the possessed scepter into the guillotine so that the ghost is out of it, and then fixing it and giving it to somebody. <laughs> that, that might be reasonable, because surviving goal will be challenging, maybe not as much, but... Or it could be at that point, if they're high level enough, uh, plane shift, plane shift, we're done. I don't think plane shift, plane shift, we're done is, genu- is generally embraced as a, as a uh, means of resolving things. But it's on my spell list. Within Paizo's paradigm, Jared. I have it twice. I have it memorized twice. I'm a sorcerer. Uh-huh. I'm a sorcerer. And yeah, okay. No, I am that, now. I just reclassed. Yeah. I don't think that works in their paradigm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like genuinely regarded as kind of irresponsible. What if I use my divination magics? All right. So this is what we should do, I think. Okay. We should stop roughly here. All right. And try to develop one or the other of these episodes for a while. Okay. Like we should think about it and then we should come back and talk about what we did. I think if you want to try to make this like an ongoing deal. Yeah. Having tackled the basic premise, we'll do it like we do with the pacing exercise. We'll then break down the parts. Mm -hmm. So I'm not even necessarily interested in committing to starting with part one here. Because I have a much clearer idea what parts two and three look like right now than I do about the others. Let me ask you then, of those, which seems like the most interesting to start with? Well, it depends on what is interesting. Like, uh, parts two and three, to me, all right, and this is their appeal, are not complicated. You go to a place, you fight the guys in the place, you get to the end, you succeed. Mm -hmm. All right, that's that's very clearly the adventure model there. It's much less open-ended than a lot of the other stuff we've discussed. You know, I one of the things I do when I lay out scenes or pieces of narratives is that I establish what the big beats are and then the smaller ones between. But I don't necessarily flesh them out chronologically. Right. Even if they're laid out chronologically, 
there have been times too. Where- right. But, you know, I'm not necessarily just focused on what's the story here. I would, I would like to get into, you know, I drew this room. I drew that. I did the other thing. My point is sometimes by starting with somewhere in the middle or at the end, the details you discover there will give you what you need to make the others feel more fleshed out. Right. That's true. Also, from my perspective, starting with the easy part, which is draw a dungeon and put some dudes in it. Right. I know how to do that. I have been doing that for yeah. almost 30 years off and on. It's the most defined space. Right. So you have the most limits on what you have to make here, which then helps it fix a certain things into place that you can build off of. Mm-hmm. So but if this is harder, yeah. If this is a five-part thing, you can rationally assume in a 20-level system, which Pathfinder is, right, Mm -hmm. that it's four levels per thing. So the graveyard would run from level four to level eight. That's act two, yeah. The mine's three, the islands, Galt is four, islands are five. Islands or whatever. The the resolution is five, for sure. And you could even make Galt five and the Fog Mountains four, which increasingly I'm tempted to do because it lets me get some giants in there. And then the giants are potentially confrontable. I think there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to fight the giants. I just think it should probably not suggest itself as like the right idea. <laughs> it should seem like a bad idea, which for right. some, some people be the enticement in and of itself. Well, can we take these giants? Let's find out. Let's go. <laughs> oh, no, we can't. <laughs> there, there are groups who are definitely into that idea. No, actually, I think frost giants are appropriate to about that level of character in sure. uh, Pathfinder. And, and maybe Act 5 is the second party coming to find the corpses of the first and bargain the separate right. away from well, the giants. Well, the other thing is, if we're pushing Galt off that far, that means that whatever they run into in Galt has to be pretty hardcore. <laughs> you know, it's not like they stopped at magical guillotines. I guarantee you there's some bad stuff going down there. Yeah. <laughs> The folks who devised that have had some time. Well, also, there's probably just some bad stuff there that's been there for hundreds of years because there's bad stuff everywhere that's been there for hundreds of years in this setting, right? And what that does, too, is it leaves what to do. If you end with Galt, the big binary question is, did you manage to get rid of the spirit, yes or no? Yes, right. That's that's definitely the question. Because that changes what happens next. If you then rebuild the scepter, that's the beginning of another arc that ends. Right. If, you, if you have probably. a dehaunted scepter, you can do this. If you still have the haunted scepter, well, it's looking a little different. <laughs> Plus side, you have a friend. Plus side, you have an ancient gen- ghost general hanging out with you, and that's probably good, right? Well, you know, what this means is one of the party members is now a warlock. Right. So another reason why I'm attracted to the Pathfinder model for this uh-huh. is that it encourages you to develop character content that people having this experience might want to use. Okay. Okay. You guys have not really touched it yet, but you saw in Abomination Vaults where there were backgrounds unique to this, right? With stuff that was supposed to help you with this. Okay. I can tell you that is the tip of the iceberg. One of the values of these types of products, right? As a type of story content and narrative game is that even if you don't use most of the narrative beats, there are options or mechanics or ideas that are applicable elsewhere. Or that a party can acquire and then use, yeah. Writing cool stuff for your players to use is also fun and is part of what you should be doing as a dungeon master or a game master or whatever we're calling it. One of the core rules I had for Academy World was if and when you get treasure, it's not so much or always going to be weird magical stuff as it is things that now you have a means to do. Or if, you know, you want to be able to, I used this before, but, you know, Dave's character wanted to fly. Mm -hmm. I said, great. Part of your work is going to be finding the things you need to put that device together. Right. And once you do, you have the thing. So the setup of you guys are working for a historian who wants to impress the noble guy, 
Mm-hmm. And has given you this history book he has written to deliver. Okay. Cause I think that's actually the, a good jump off for. Uh, Is it a magic mouth history book that monologues at you? No, because oh. again, that's annoying. <laughs> Part of no. why I'm trying to destroy the talking book in our current keys game. Right. So what I, what I am saying, though, is that that is a setup that basically screams, somebody make a bard. This is an invitation, certainly, for somebody to be very... Uh, it says someone make a bard. <laughs> Unambiguously, very clearly. <laughs> well, okay. To be fair, you've already, you've already alienated a significant portion of folks who would play your adventure at that point. I mean, yes and no. Uh, I'm the guy who traditionally is the one who makes the guy who knows things in these games. You know, another easy hook would be... Uh, they don't have paladins in the setting, but champions, folks, if there's any class that would be tied to the legions. Sure. I mean, most most martial classes make a lot of sense here, sure. given that it sounds like you're spending a lot of time trying to find your way to weird places. OK, Ranger starts to make more sense. Sturd starts to make more sense. So I think the better thing to do then in a preface, this would be here's why if you have this kind of talent and expertise, you would be involved. Yes. And so. The, the adventure guide for Abomination Vaults is very general. Most of the others are much less so, from what I understand. I think you, could, you could even frame it as why historian so-and-so would hire someone like you. Yes. I think that isn't that also is a good exercise. It's just not where I want to start. I want to start with, I'm making some maps. All right, we're doing the thing. Yeah, I'm not saying we have to start there. I'm saying we do that at some point. The maps feel and like... And I think, that's a, I think that's a really good set of questions to answer because it tells you where the players are starting from. Who they will be by the end of this is not who they were when they were hired by, you know, historian... It would be easier to lay out that kind of introductory lecture and the stuff that brings people in once we know the middle ground. I agree. I agree. I think there are a couple of obvious things that suggest themselves. Like I said, somebody who is a Talon noble... Makes sense. Okay. Somebody who is a uh, Galtish exile makes sense. Okay. And so probably these are backgrounds I would include or make more specific, right? It, within the context of Pathfinder for characters. You realize then someone in the party is going to be the bastard son. That's okay. That's even easier. Yep. Okay. Well, here's why you're hooked. Right. Oh, well, uh, I have bad news. <laughs> Congratulations. There are others interested in this. Sir one. James Hightower <laughs> receives a vision. Oh, there you go. You know, that might be the fun part. They're haunted from the beginning. Yeah. No, you might actually be. It's possible that these, that for whatever reason, this bloodline of people is like already kind of a little bit haunted. (laughs) The family reunions are always sad. Right. That's more of a, that's more of a thing that would be appropriate in slightly different areas of the setting, but there's no reason we can't have haunted noblemen in Taldor. This isn't related much, but it just tied the image together. I was listening to a, a judge, Sean Hodgman, and it seemed like this premise of you know why two people are arguing over someone shouldn't be, uh, that one of the siblings shouldn't be afraid of Mr. Peanut. I'm going, well, this sounds dumb. Uh-huh. And then the premise actually establishes, which is that when one of them was a child, a uh, older relative ran out in a uh, knockoff Mr. Peanut costume. And the problem was it was just like the body and the hat. So you had these big, brawny, hairy human arms and legs sticking out of a Mr. Peanut body. I see that being kind of creepy. Yeah. Like, I... I I kind of feel like the the Hightower ghost is that same level of just eerie horror, you know, horror of, oh, this is, this is not good at all. <laughs> the Hightower ghost, I think, might not even be the guy who is sort of the climax of the adventure. It might be some other dude. Right. It might be a, a, a later descendant going, no, don't get the scepter, please. No, you fools. Do you know how much trouble we went over? We went to over that guy. <laughs> right. There, there could be a whole hidden history of 
everyone who's gone down this path before and finally went, yeah, nope. Nope, nope, this is a bad idea. <laughs> maybe maybe some ancient high tower is the one is the reason why the uh ghost is hidden in Galt. Right. You get to the frost giants and you introduce yourself and they go, Didn't we eat one of those four hundred years ago? The records of our tribe say. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pull open the book. Thumb. I think actually it would be a lot of fun also if the frost giants were not not only not hostile, but like, cool, what stories do you know? If we're making this a <laughs> thing about history. Particularly if this is a path that legions have been over, adventures have been over, there's a reason they chill over there. Well, the Fog Mountains are supposed to be very isolated and, you know, spooky. The legions went up the River Selen, which is very large. Right. But it also doesn't go through the northeast part of Taldor. Right. And if you got to get to Galt, then, you know. Right. There's a tributary that ultimately joins it that runs from there through a bunch of ancient woods full of Maybe druids. you go during the summer and they're just bathing or something, or they have like their drinking buddies down there. Frost for giants just hanging out in their frost giant sauna. Yeah. You happen to have to like sneak through and realize, oh, this is a terrible idea. That's why, oh, that's why there's the fog. It's a frost giant sauna. Right. Some, something a little silly is fine, obviously, but you know. Right. Like you can play it full seriously because it's still terrifying in many right. regards. You can have a chat with these, with these 12 foot tall blue dudes who... Mm-hmm. Could definitely crush you with like two fingers if they felt like it. <laughs> right, but you tell them a fun story, share some of the hauntings and everything, you know, other interesting things. What's going on out there? You know, mm-hmm. whatever it is they find interesting. And I think that's a, it kind of brings us full circle here when we talk about the needs or desires or motives of the challenges you encounter. If you go to the Fog Mountains, you are expecting challenges involving like survival in harsh weather and fighting dudes. And if you get to, and if you get to the Giants Feasting Hall, they're just like, tell us a cool story. Right, and that might even be a point of a reprieve. You can go and rest at the feasting hall, warm up, get a meal. Right. If you go on, you know, if you earn their good, if you earn their trust or their favor, right? Right. And then that's that poor joker who made a bard 12 levels ago and has been trying to figure out what is what, when his day is coming is like, this is me. I've got this, guys. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's become a thing. I think they, they use the term spotlighting now more or less, I guess, in indie games, but where you try to create opportunities for everybody to have their place. Right. And that's harder to do in a pre-written adventure than it is in a game that you're running at your table dynamically. Well, I think part of that is the challenge of whoever's running it as well as the party to do. But I do think if you design these with the mind of that, the things they're encountering are not just numbers and descriptors on a page, right. but that they have reasons for doing and being what they do and be, right. then that gives you levers. We did a one-shot where, you remember uh, the Mater D, the origami magician? Oh, yeah, right. You were, you're having a very good time coming up with that. Yeah, like we, it was supposed to be this whole huge boss fight. You know, we haven't aired the episodes yet, but okay. as a teaser, it was a, play, it was a premise of playing off of Friendship is Magic and superhero powers and everything. And on the, tra- on the tram ride over to where they were going, they, the party liked him too much. So they invited him to join. And they rolled terribly, so I had to, you know, show them they failed. But he very politely put, you know, Point, turn them down and explain, I like my boss, the villain, and here's why. And I like that moment because it laid out, you know, the person you're trying to defeat is by and large in some ways not a terrible person. In others, yes, but, you know, he's a much better employer than the old villain used to be. And folks genuinely do like to work for him. Right. Which if, if you are a Sailor Moon goon, which is basically what the Mater D was intended to be, is important. It was just a really fun thing because it was spontaneous. They asked why when he said he turned, you know, when he turned them down, and he demonstrated for them just a little bit of the origami magic, you know, that I can do this now. He showed me how to, that we all could, right? It wasn't just the superheroes. And 
it gave them empathy for someone who they were invariably going to have to part of the fantasy tropes to have to fight. But it was also just a kind of nice, quiet moment in between all the other challenges. So, yeah, I think part of the, as we play around with this idea, we'll look for where that could occur or ways to give the people playing this opportunities to do something other than just fight guys. Because as much as I like fighting guys, like it's important to do other stuff sometimes. It really was the thing that killed Rory for me more than anything. And I loved in some ways how certain classes like the Paladin felt impactful narratively and mechanically, but I didn't want to spend five hours every session going, roll. Okay, I'm going to attack those things. I'm going to roll three. Here we go. Okay, I'm going to attack those things. I'm going to roll. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. There, it was pacing. Fundamentally, there wasn't enough alternation. And, you know, when I finally disrupted a skill challenge with an attack, it was a violation of the expectations. They flat out looked at me and said, how can you do that? And I said, because I am tired of trying to negotiate with them. Right. I don't want to negotiate with these people. Screw them. I want to blow them off the mountain and get on our way. Right. Enough of this. <laughs> they were stone giants, you know, actually didn't kind of come full circle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here we are blathering and posturing. And I just went fine. Boof. Enough. Off the mountain. <laughs> but it was, it was a violation of the norm of the game. Those are two different modes you can totally completely different modes of interaction now i'm with you and you cannot toggle them and i feel like part of our fun here is going to be finding ways where it's totally up to the players how they decide to go through a thing most of the time yeah so i think let's pick a number between two and five okay that is how many floors of dungeon i will try to produce i won't necessarily populate them but i will draw some stuff you know if it's more floors, it's much deeper. Well, if it's more floors, they're probably A, they're probably smaller, or B, maybe they're split up over two dungeons or something like that. This is a this is a pacing thing for me. Mm-hmm. I have found my patience for a long delves text. It's partly because in the earlier systems it was a matter of okay, I search, okay, I search, okay, I search. And that was I know the new versions of the system are much better about that. Well, it's one of the reasons why that game we were talking about earlier with where you guys all got wrecked by that pyramid of slime right was mostly not rigorously on a map <laughs> no the i think it, it fundamentally comes down to what are the big beats of the dungeon and how much stuff in between them do you want to give to lay out information and opportunities and discovery well hear me out so i'll draw some maps right and then we'll decide what you know lives here at the end of the dungeon what is the point of, why are okay. we here Okay. So the next episode then will be you'll come back with the maps, you'll have them on screen, yep. and right. we'll get we'll in real time start fussing around with okay, these things here and uh what right. about that. Yeah. And we can talk about what generally lives in the dungeon rather than try to populate every room. We'll put the boss fights in. We'll <laughs> talk about the actual challenges and the environment in detail. Right. And we can talk about like, say if this is a graveyard, right? Do you have to know the high tower motto to open the crypt? Right. I think this is where where we get into the ways that the world and the story and the story matter in the moment, but also ways the background can become a before yes. at certain points. Right. I think that's so I will draw two maps. I think okay. that's what I will do. We will draw two levels of graveyard. I I'm gonna commit to the graveyard, even though I'm pretty excited about the abandoned mine, because the abandoned mine is giving me a little bit more difficulty in terms of layout. I think it makes more sense for the graveyard to be two levels as opposed to five. 
Well, I might add some more later, okay? But we'll start with two. We'll do the surface level, and we'll do one under level. There'll be Mole Man Wars, and then, you know, the Aboleth Shambles, and, you know. Well, no, what might what might be true is that, you know, there's a third, like, ultra-deep tomb with real problems in it or something. And maybe you have to come back to Wait, it later. hold on. You want to put an ultra-deep tomb in the bottom of a thing? I know, it's crazy. Nobody has ever done this before. This is, this is some novel stuff. No, just the, I'm thinking of all the times in games we've run where you've, leave, you've left the obvious clue of do not touch. Right. Our first impulse is, okay, nope. Immediately touch that. <sighs> but yes, I'm recalling you guys circling back to the extremely scary sounding coffin several levels later and being like, screw it, we open it. I got a wand. We can, we're fine now. Yeah, we're good. You guys were what? Like <laughs> that fifth level when you found it the first time and you all went, oh, that doesn't seem good. Then getting chased <laughs> through all of the tunnels constantly while I think Jay was just sitting there going, plink, plink, plink. Yeah. Yeah. So this is a copper clad coffin bound in chains with a bunch of warding runes on it. You guys went, nah, <laughs> we're leaving that alone. <laughs> I like that our two takeaways were leave that coffin alone and barrel full of bees. We should have those. Right. We need one of those. <laughs> uh, I can't believe how badly that affected Jay. I was amazed. <laughs> still, still utterly traumatized by it. He, he, he's not pro bees, it turns out. And I didn't realize I was pushing into territory that like bordered on an X card thing for him there. <laughs> but it was very successful. <laughs> oh, <sighs> that's part of the fun. Like, as long as you're not legitimately terrifying the players without their approval. Right. No, I, I didn't realize that was going to be a bad thing for him. But he was like, no, this is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got past it. He didn't like get up and walk out or anything. He was real unhappy. It's always, it's interesting because I play in a lot of games with experienced gamers where we'll go, oh yeah, everything's fine. And then uh -huh. occasionally you do a thing someone goes, mm. uh-oh. <laughs> and when we cut off Stephen's arms and legs out of consequences that weren't his choice. Right. His choice. And he didn't have a moment to go, wait, but that was his, that was his X card because he would, I, like body horror, fine. Uh -huh. Body horror without my say, no. No, 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 no. You, you can't just cut my arms off, guys. It's not cool. <laughs> no. I mean, really, who's going to endorse that? But like, still. You say that, and then in a, in a previous fight, Pablo was wrestling some type of morass of things, and his response was, oh, well, I'll just cut my foot off. But, you know, it, it is what and it I is. Went, okay, go ahead. <laughs> this is the call you're making, all right? <laughs> yeah, you're going to cut your leg off. There will be like you will no longer be held. That will be solved. There okay. will be other problems, but that one is done. All right. I'm not going to give you any tasks related to whatever we do next here. I will draw two maps. Sure. What I would appreciate if you would do, but you don't have to, is think of graveyard puzzles. Oh goodness. I'm not very good at puzzles. You're you're better at them than I am. At least coming up with them. I'm okay at solving. And puzzles are an interesting challenge, too, because you can't have them be like in a video game, a thing you solve in a way. No, that tends to annoy people, having tried to implement it that way. Think of some cool like mysteries to have be in the graveyard that they could maybe get into that don't that don't get solved with like violence or a shovel. OK, <laughs> that's your challenge. What about a violent shovel? Uh, violent shovels, although I endorse them, <laughs> are not the goal here. Actually, you know, you know, it'd be really fun. This is this is where the ancient legion is buried, right? I think what it is is where some of the followers of this guy who went full rogue, right, mm -hmm. are animated by question mark, trying to protect people from his crazy megalomaniacal scheme. So here's what here's I have a thought here. Uh -huh. Metal doesn't work. Either it doesn't get through, it rusts, but for whatever reason, all of the tools they think are going to be helpful when they get here. 
that's that's so so bad for some Pathfinder parties and trivial to some others. Right. I'm not saying it has to be the challenge itself. It's just going to be the thing that suggests there's something more going on. Now, what you could have is like an ongoing theme of decay in there. We can have like rust monsters hang out there or something. But, you know, there's some possibilities and I encourage you to think about it, but I'm not necessarily just going to roll with whatever it is you think. Maybe maybe it's less metal and more like whatever the Legion used to wear, that kind of stuff is fine. So they can acquire the tools they need, but they're going to have to rest it off of. If you whoop the zombie, you can get some armor. But until then, maybe, maybe you just have to pry it off of the statue, you know. And I'm sure maybe, that's not going to have. Oh, jeez! Oh, this is this is so evil. I'm going to throw it out now. Do it. Maybe one of the boss fights, as it were, uh-huh. is like some ancient knight, mm-hmm. and he insists on dueling only one person. Yes. <laughs> you must fight me. I think there. Are- the fight should be more puzzle challenges, except for the occasional, okay, like, okay, you know, here's our actual fight, but it's a bit Right. Well, it's Pathfinder. There's going to be fights. Like, it, that's happening. But I would I would like it if a lot of the, like I said, I don't really want to try to populate the entire thing with just, you know, this is a, a appropriate encounter for level five players. I want to pick out the big interesting fights, like the, like the skeleton duelist who's like you. <laughs> mm-hmm. You will fight me with honor. I think, I think, yeah, kind of the thematic here is a certain portion of the Legion was left here to guard a thing. Right. So they're going to have their rules and orders as well as the time they spent bored coming up with more stuff. Right. And some of it may be completely cockamamie. Like, I don't want these guys to be zany, but at the same time, they've been sitting here for thousands of years guarding something. They're bored. Right. So <laughs> some of those traps should just be experiments are really dumb. Or they could be really dumb stuff that is distracting from the actual trap. Right. Or you find some skeletons and they're playing dice. Right. And the challenge is you have to beat them at dice. And the skeletons will tell you where what you want is if you beat them at dice. Mm-hmm. Or if if you lose enough money to them at dice, they feel bad for you. Oh, no. Can they play for bones? No, they, they, they definitely don't. They're like really psyched that some other people have come to the graveyard. Well, there you go, right there, like the first guards that are actual animated skeletons, they do the whole who goes there thing. They go, great. Do you know this game? Right. Do you know how to play craps? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you're all going, what? (laughs) We just, we know everyone's tells. Right. Skeletons are like, look, (laughs) the dice are still random, but this isn't any fun anymore. We need some new people to play with. And yeah, the solution can there can be you bash their skulls and then move on or, you know. And, you know, you can beat up the skeleton guards if you want, or you can just play dice with the skeleton guards. It's fine. <laughs> it's, it's something like that I'm okay well, with. Might, they might even tell you, like, you know, hey, only bronze works. The only right, stuff or, we developed back you know, then works. Yeah, right. You know. Or, you know, yeah, there's like a lot of, there's a lot of dead people buried here. Some of us have more, you know, wits about us than others. Mm-hmm. You got to watch out for <laughs> these guys over there. Please don't like take that. the helmet off the wall. Right. You know, like there could even be just absolute signage occasionally where, you know, they, the folks too far back get bored. So they try to give tips to the ones in front to, you know, let people get further in so they have a chance to do something. Well, we have to guard this forever. We don't have to just stand here, guys. Right. <laughs> I think fundamentally, you know, let, let's take, we'll leave it at this. We can, we'll take a piece out of Undertale where everything is fightable, but everything has another solution. I don't think everything needs to have another solution. I feel like that doesn't work for the game we're developing this for. But all the interesting stuff should at least have some play to it. I'm with you. Obviously, the one-on-one duel is a fight of some kind. Right. The skeleton duelist is definitely just fighting you. <laughs> but it, and it might be that that's the real entertainment, so all of the rest of the stuff is just kind of a half-assed attempt. And there's like a bunch of other skeletons standing around going, yeah, get him. Yeah, so maybe the rest of the dungeon is just maiming or harming or, you know, 
working you over until you get to the duelist. <laughs> I don't know, but something something along those lines. Like I, we don't want to go full silly here, but at the same time, if I were an ancient skeleton that had to guard things forever, I would be pretty bored. So <laughs> the, the ancient skeletons are pretty bored is a perfectly yeah. good thesis for trying to make this interesting. Start there. Let's see what we come up with from that point. Right. So let's 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 roll with that. That that's that's what you should cogitate on, and I will draw a map, and we'll go from there. Sounds good. I'm glad we could do this tonight. Yeah. A good story can excite us, yes. But the best ones, fiction or not, compel, inspire, or drive us toward the hope that we need for a better life. Remember, you don't need to know everything right now, but you do need to write. So make sure to like, review, and subscribe to us at Here Be Tigers. And until next time, take life by the tail. <laughs> I mean, really think about it. They've been there for hundreds, if not thousands of years. Just like you know what you do? You know what you do? They get to the they get to the skeletons at the gate and you go, great, hold on a second. You clear the board and you just pop open, take it to ride. Skeletons are like, oh fantastic. Have you played this? <laughs>